Welcome to this week's energy show. We usually talk about geeky energy things on this radio show, but this week we're going to talk about religion. So unless you've been hiding under a burning bush somewhere, you've heard about the Pope's encyclical. This encyclical is called Laudito Si, which means be praised, on care for our common home. Now, I'm probably a really lousy commentator about religious issues in this encyclical. Basically, I was kicked out of Hebrew school when I was a kid. But it's just a, it has fascinating relevance to what's going on for climate change, for energy, for solar, and the future of our planet as far as global warming goes. So the first question you know, people may ask is, well, what's an encyclical? Well, an encyclical is basically a long letter concerning Catholic doctrine written and sent by the Pope, and it's addressed to his people, his bishops, his patriarchs, his primates, and everybody in the Catholic Church who are basically in communication with the Vatican. So these encyclicals are done for issues that are of a real high priority to the Church and to the Pope, and they really relate to current events, current issues, and, and things that over which the church's opinion and activities actually can change some things that are going on in our society. So this is also kind of interesting just because it's probably one of the very first encyclicals that no one read on real paper. Um, I think this thing, this encyclical, is a really big deal. And I also think that this pope is particularly well qualified to comment on it. He's actually has a degree in chemistry. It's a, like a junior college level, I think, from South America, Argentina somewhere. He actually is a scientist, and he's qualified to kind of look at some of this evidence. And he's not a climate scientist or anything, but he understands the scientific principles and scientific methods. And, you know, he's not somebody that politicians could say, this guy should butt out. What does he know about science? And he actually knows a little bit. And the other thing that's really relevant is this encyclical is not just a single event. It's not just one long letter. It's pretty long. Um, but it really forms the basis for future communications. The information, the statements, the recommendations that are in this encyclical are going to be repeated in sermons all over the world for years. And that effectively that popple lobbying for action that's going to cure global climate change isn't going to go away. Previously, the Pope's done encyclicals about abortion, about the war in Vietnam, and about other really current important events that were relevant to the church in some way. So first question you're going to say is, well, what did the Pope talk about in this encyclical. And I, I spent some time and read the whole thing. It's got 240 chapters, and depending on how big your typeface is, it can be anywhere from 200 pages, but I squeezed it down to 52 pages in PDF format, but just read the whole thing on the screen. I didn't want to waste any paper. So here's the overview. I'm just going to pull out some of the statements in a minute, but overall, other Popes have discussed environmental issues in their encyclicals, but none of those encyclicals were really purely focused on environmental and, and ecological issues. So the Pope starts this one off in the very first paragraph saying that we are faced with global environmental deterioration. He calls for a new dialogue, a new conversation which includes everyone, which is, which is kind of interesting. This is a discussion. This is just not saying, hey, we need to do this. This is we need to talk about how to get this problem solved. And he criticizes obstructionist attitudes. He criticizes powerful opposition. And he criticizes people who are basically denying the problem. He does admit that the church does not presume to settle scientific questions. The church isn't going to settle the last fraction of 1% of climate scientists who deny global warming. The church is not going to settle for 40% of the population who don't believe in global warming. And he's not going to really opine on politics. 
But the recommendations and the findings and the statements you make about global climate change are just fascinating. Now, the global climate change issue is one part of this encyclical, maybe a third of it. He talks a lot about water purity, about biodiversity, about um, how we're polluting the planet, not just polluting the air, but just polluting the ground, polluting the water. Um, he talks about the decline in the quality of life, and he talks about the breakdown of society, and, and uh, he spends a lot of time talking about global inequality. Well, I'm just a solar guy, so I'm going to focus on what I know, which is pollution, climate change, and the solutions that we can put in place to get those big issues resolved. So initially, the Pope is focusing on what the problem is. And this is at the very beginning of the encyclical. That's why I, I kind of looked at it and said that he's mostly focusing on climate change and pollution. So these are some quotes from the Pope, and they're pretty well-written. Obviously, I read it in English, and you can pick it up in just about any language you want. One of his first statements is he says that there is very solid scientific consensus that indicates that we are presently witnessing a disturbing warming of the climate system. In recent decades, this warming has been accompanied by a constant rate rise in the sea level and, would it appear, by an increase of extreme weather events, even if a scientifically determinable cause cannot be assigned to each particular phenomenon. So he's basically saying, hey, there's a hurricane over here. We can't just say that that hurricane is from global warming. But he is saying that just the general rise in the sea level, the general warming of the climate is happening. Then he says the problem is aggravated by a model of development based on the intensive use of fossil fuels. He says that a rise in the sea level, for example, can create extremely serious situations if we consider that a quarter of the world's population lives on the coast or nearby and that the majority of our megacities are situated in coastal areas. I mean, you just kind of look at a map of the United States and you see that, that most of our population centers are along the ocean and many of these population centers are 5, 10 feet above sea level. So you see an increase in sea level, you're going to see some flooding and you're going to see a huge amount of investment to remediate that. And then he says that there's an urgent need to develop policies so that in the next few years, the emission of carbon dioxide and other highly polluting gases can be drastically reduced. For example, substituting for fossil fuels and developing sources of renewable energy. So he's basically got the understanding that there's a climate change problem, that it's caused by fossil fuels, and he is commenting that one solution is renewable energy. So here's a really good quote from the Pope, and I just kind of looked at this because it seems to be right out of the Dirty Energy Industries playbook. Economic interests easily end up trumping the common good and manipulating information so that their own plans will not be affected. The alliance between the economy and technology ends up sidelining anything unrelated to its immediate interests. Consequently, the most one can expect is superficial rhetoric, sporadic acts of philanthropy, and perfunctory expressions of concern for the environment. This is basically greenwashing by petroleum companies or fossil fuel companies or other interests basically saying, hey, this is really not a big problem. Why don't you look over here? Now, he goes on to say, whereas any genuine attempt by groups within society to introduce change is viewed as a nuisance based on romantic illusions or an obstacle to be circumvented. So basically saying you know, that the climate nuts are a nuisance, they're crazy, they don't know what they're talking about. So he's talking about the problem, he nails it. Then he starts getting very constructive and he talks about the solution. And this is in the section called Lines of Approach and Action section. 
These are just more quotes coming right out of the encyclical. We know that technology based on the use of highly polluting fossil fuels, especially coal, but also oil and to a lesser degree gas, needs to be progressively replaced without delay. And you just, once again, coal's the worst, oil's bad, gas is bad too, but really we got to solve all of these things right away. Until greater progress is made in developing widely accessible sources of renewable energy, it is legitimate to choose the lesser of two evils or to find short-term solutions. So, you know, hey, this is basically the Pope saying, for a little while, we can use this natural gas as a bridge to renewable energy. Sounds like something Ernie Moniz would have said. Going on, reducing greenhouse gases requires honesty, courage, and responsibility. Above all, on the part of those countries which are most powerful and pollute the most. Next, the strategy of buying and selling carbon credits can lead to a new form of speculation, which would not help reduce the emission of polluting gases worldwide. This system seems to provide a quick and easy solution under the guise of a certain commitment to the environment, but in no way does it allow for the radical change which present which present circumstances require. Rather, it may simply become a ploy which permits maintaining the excessive consumption of some countries and sectors. So basically he's saying that you know, the whole concept of carbon trading and cap and trade may not be enough. And I think he's also just pushing back a little bit on the fact that there's a profit motive behind trading these credits. He goes on to say, taking advantage of abundant solar energy will require the establishment of mechanisms and subsidies the cost of this would be low compared to the risk of climate change. Bingo. He's basically saying solar energy is important. We need to take advantage of it. It needs subsidies, and the cost of those subsidies are low compared to the climate change problem. Now, just kind of going on, the rest of his recommendations are more spiritual in nature. And then what I find interesting is the very last chapter of the encyclical is, is number nine, is called Beyond the Sun. And I thought he meant S-O-N, but the Italian version also refers to S-O-L-E. So he's really talking about beyond the sun in terms of beyond solar. And I kind of look at that as thinking the way he's wrapping this thing up in the religious section, it's a Pope pun. But anyway, people are going to read this and they're going to take from it immediately what they already believe. You know, I'm, I'm guilty of that too. Right? I, I, I think it's great that he's talking about global climate change and renewable energy solutions. But people are also going to take what's expedient for their businesses. And I guarantee that the dirty energy politicians are going to be forced to respond to these statements by the Pope. And I also guarantee that this encyclical will gradually force change. It will make a big difference because it's backed up by scientific advice and because the Catholic Church is so influential. Okay, so here's the reality. The clean energy people and environmentalists are very happy to have the Pope on their side. I'm, I'm happy to have the Pope on my side. Now, the dirty energy people, many of whom are religious conservatives, are very unhappy. They have to fight God now, or at least uh, the Pope's manifestation of that. They have to fight God now, in addition to fighting science and in addition to fighting long-term economic growth. And that's going to be kind of tough. We're already hearing some comments from people in the dirty energy industry or politicians who are under their thumb that the Pope should stay out of economic and scientific issues. I'm sure the Koch brothers are very unhappy. Now, when you look at how the U.S. Catholics view these issues, they're pretty split along political and racial lines. 85% of Catholic Democrats do say that the earth is getting hotter. So if you're a Catholic and you're Democrat, you think the world is getting hotter. Only 51% of Catholic Republicans 
think so. So within the Republican Party, there's only about half of them that think there's global warming. And that's where we're going to see a shift. I guarantee that you're going to start seeing more Catholic Republicans say the earth is getting hotter and there's going to be more Republicans saying we've got to do something about it. Because people don't want to say, I disagree with the Pope. They don't want to say they disagree with the Pope when there's so much scientific evidence that he's right and there's a big economic interests that are disagreeing with him in terms of the fossil fuel industry, but we're just going to see less than that. Now, this is all going to have – the change is all going to happen through politics. Politicians make our policy – <laughs> have to say, unfortunately, most are not real leaders. Politicians don't necessarily lead, at least most of them don't. They follow. They follow the money from their contributors so they get reelected. The Pope is in a different position. He's a leader. He doesn't have any agenda other than, you know, really to do the right thing. And I also kind of look at scientists, you know, for the vast majority, they're just scientists. They don't really have an agenda. They want to see what nature says, and they're going to just report on it as objectively as they can. So what's going to happen with politicians is they're going to stay initially, well, consistently, uh, they're going to stay on the side that's going to get them reelected. So nothing's going to change right away, not right now, but you're gradually going to see some evolution, and, and this is going to continue. I find it interesting that the Pope is going to be addressing Congress on September 24th. We'll talk more about that in a minute. And the Pope is going to have a big influence on voters in upcoming election cycles. Now, in the encyclical, here's what the Pope had to say about politics and climate change. Fascinating. Here it goes. Policies related to climate change and environmental protection cannot be altered with every change of government. Results take time and demand immediate outlays, which may not produce tangible effects within any one government's term. That is why, in the absence of pressure from the public and from civic institutions, political authorities will always be reluctant to intervene – all the more when urgent needs must be met. To take up these responsibilities and the costs they entail, politicians will inevitably clash with the mindset of short-term gain and results which dominates present-day economics and politics. In other words, you're going to see changes in administration. They're going to go back and forth. Climate change is bad. We, climate change doesn't exist. we got to solve it. We don't care. Based on who gets elected and based on whose money is influencing those elections. And that's a really interesting point. I think he does just come right out and say that's why we need public and civic institutions to weigh in on this because they're not going to be as influenced. Now, this whole encyclical and the fact that the Pope is coming out saying that there's global warming and we need to do something about it, specifically stop using fossil fuels and use more renewable energy, the politicians have a choice. They can do one of three things. They can agree with the Pope and begin to take action on climate change. They can continue to take Koch brothers' money and disagree with the Pope by continuing to deny climate change and refusing to take effective actions. Or they can waffle for a while until they get you know, nailed by a reporter with a microphone. My view is this encyclical and subsequent papal lobbying will gradually dissolve the political gridlock on climate change, and it's gradually going to make it clear that we can make a decision to mitigate it. 
Now, many American conservatives are going to be persuaded to break with Republican doctrine against climate change and break with their insistence that we need more fossil fuels. And I kind of look at what the origin of the conservative movement, conservative was conservation. And there's also this thing, it's very clear that renewables are very, very good for business. You just look at the number of jobs out there that are in the solar industry. Now, so some Republicans are going to start to break with their party line. It's going to be harder for the far right wing extreme candidates to use climate change denial to get elected. And they've been doing that in the past. They get money from the Koch brothers and they say climate change isn't happening and we need more fossil fuels and they get elected. Well, it's going to be harder to do that now. The Republican primary candidates on the far right are going to have to disagree with the Pope when the issue of climate change comes up. Most of these far-right politicians are very religious. They're not going to want to disagree with the Pope. In the general elections, the Democrats are going to have a field day with both religion and science on their side. So you're going to have these debates, and it's easy for a Democratic politician to say to a far-right-wing Republican, and you're going to disagree with the Pope. The Republicans aren't going to want to say that. So they're going to have to start changing. And climate change deniers are going to have to choose between dirty energy money and agreeing with the Pope. I don't see how they can split that baby. So this is going to have an impact gradually. Now, very specifically with regards to the solar industry, the encyclical is going to have a very positive impact on the solar industry's efforts to continue to grow, specifically with regards, I believe, because I'm an optimist, with the investment tax credit. First, the Pope comes right out and says, taking advantage of abundant solar energy will require the establishment of mechanisms and subsidies. And he talks about the fact that we need those and those subsidies are necessary to stop this climate change. It's an emergency. And what's going to happen is fewer politicians are going to be pushing for more fossil fuels. Fewer politicians are going to be voting against efforts to reduce CO2 emissions. Fewer politicians on the Republican right are going to oppose the ITC. And that's kind of what we need. We need – absolutely, we need support, but we need less opposition. So just kind of wrapping this thing up in terms of what I see the Pope is talking about here and and what I see is going to happen in conclusion, the Pope is basically coming out and saying that there's solid scientific consensus that the climate is warming. He's coming right out and saying that fossil fuels are making this global warming worse. And he's coming right out and saying we need to replace coal oil, and gas without delay. So now you have this, and this has been characterized as the war on coal. Well, now the Pope and the Catholic Church has joined in against that war. And, and being quite quite honest about this, it's not a war on coal. Coal is the dirtiest fuel out there. But what's really happened is that there are other sources of fuel, even natural gas, but certainly solar, that are now cheaper than coal. So it's just coal's losing that economic war but now we've got the leader of uh, one of the world's biggest religions saying it's a big problem. The Pope, just summarizing this once again, the Pope says we need to take advantage of abundant solar energy and that will require subsidies and the costs of these subsidies will be low compared to the risks of climate change. Now, it's interesting you look at the opinions. There was kind of a leaked version of this encyclical that came out the week before the final one. So some conservatives have already started an assault on the encyclical. They're already coming right out and criticizing the thing before it was finally published, although they were looking at a fairly accurate draft. Probably a small army of translators in the Vatican that translated this long encyclical into all different languages. So these conservatives are saying 
that Christian values only govern sex in the family. They're saying that economics, issues of economics, geopolitics, climate, should be left to secular capitalist ideology. In other words, they're saying to the Pope, you should butt out of these discussions and just talk about religion, sex, and the family. Well, that approach isn't going to work. Basically, the Pope's got this other very strong, very credible voice rallying for serious action on climate change. And for Republicans who are religious and oppose clean energy, they're going to be forced to modify their position in order to be reelected. So they're probably not going to be able to get reelected on a platform of climate change thing is just a myth. It's not really happening. You're not going to see any nutcases taking snowballs into Congress and saying, look, it was cold outside. Global warming is a myth. I mean, that, that kind of behavior, that kind of attitude is going to just be laughed. It's just no longer appropriate. So these far-right politicians who are religious are going to have to change their position. They're going to have to accept the fact that mankind is causing global warming because the leader of the religion is saying that that's the case. And what's going to happen is it's going to reduce their opposition to clean energy policies. It's going to reduce their opposition to the investment tax credit, to EPA regulations, to things like carbon taxes or cap and trade. So they're not going to come right out and be in favor of it, although the Pope is, but they're going to reduce their opposition. And when you have these up and down votes, you're not going to see as many opposed to it. Now, this isn't going to happen really fast. It's going to happen gradually throughout a number of election cycles. But I think it's going to be a huge issue just coming up in 2015 and 2016. No candidates that I'm aware of yet have flip-flopped, have changed their behavior. They want to see what the voters want. The voters and religion is basically on the side. Now, this encyclical, as I mentioned, it's just the beginning. There's going to be continued high-profile papal lobbying. The Pope is going to be talking about this again and again. And, you know, all of his followers, the clerics, the bishops, are all going to be talking about this for years until, you know, the next big encyclical that comes up. Now, what I find really fascinating is last year, the Speaker of the House of Representatives, Boehner, who is a practicing Catholic, extended an invitation to the Pope to speak before Congress. So Pope Francis accepted, and he's going to visit the U.S. Capitol on September 24th, and will address both houses of Congress on September 24th. Now, he's going to talk about global climate change because that's at the top of his mind, and it is an issue where his findings, his encyclical, will really change opinion. So this is going to be a very interesting session. It's going to happen in September, and it's going to definitely affect the opinions of a lot of the Republican presidential candidates, and it's going to definitely affect the opinions of other Republican congressmen who have historically been against clean energy policies. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. 